Saddle up. Lock and load. Move these people out! Stand in defiance. Definitely feeling aggressive tendencies, sir. Hold your ground. If a court-martial is the only way to tell what is happening here, I welcome it, Admiral. Join the rebellion. Blow off the ramp scoop. Stand by. Full thrusters. Star Trek Insurrection. Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we're going to talk about the third Star Trek movie, which features the Next Generation cast, Star Trek Insurrection. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Hooster himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? Hey, dude, I am glad to be here, glad to be back discussing Trek and looking forward to reviewing this episode of uh, Star Trek Next Generation. And yes, I know I said episode in a minute. <laughs> oh, burn from the gate here from Cal Jones. Wow. Hmm. Interesting stuff there. Also on the podcast in Hattiesburg down there, we have the Stargate story. Jeremy Barrow, how you doing, man? I am doing great. I'm glad to be back. And I'm looking forward to hear what everybody has to say about this particular presentation. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh He's boy. being much more kind than I was. <laughs> oh, but wait. <laughs> Just wait. Oh, boy. Oh, so many things to say. Uh, also on the podcast, we have the tech historian, Carrie Brown. How you doing, dude? I'm doing pretty good, man. I, I really, uh, you know, I had an interesting time watching Star Trek Insurrection. <laughs> oh wow wow well if that's any indication um this might what be about a, you a riveting review uh i'm doing great man doing great you know glad to be back on back in the fray back on the podcast and we'll talk this movie out you know so <laughs> like always i want to give a shout out to our patreon subscribers you can check out our patreon by going to patreon.com slash discussing trick where you can contribute to the show, which helps in, you know, server costs and things like that. We appreciate all your support. And again, you can go to patreon.com slash discussing trick or go to discussing slash support. Awesome. Uh, I don't have any news. Um, the only thing that was really noteworthy that happened between our last podcast and now that is Trek related anyway, uh, is going to be the, the Star Trek Voyager reunion, which, um, it was sort of a charity thing and it happened over zoom and I forget what YouTube channel. Um, but it's very easy to find. It was interesting. It was interesting. I had to comb back through it to get any tidbits out from it, but I, I was, I had that on the background while I was working and I very much enjoyed it. It had pretty much everybody on there and I want to see them do another series, man. It was so great. It was so great seeing them all together again, man. It was really good. And, you know, um, uh, it, just just really good to see them all, you know, conversing and interacting, telling telling old stories about, you know, the days back on Voyager. So it's, it was all great. It was all great. Did any of you guys catch it? I watched it a couple of days ago. It was pretty entertaining. I didn't realize the musical theater background most everyone on that set had. Yeah, that's how Roxanne Dawson got her big break. Roxanne, Robert Patrick Neal, yeah. Robert Ricardo. Both of them did stage and musicals and things like that. It's just kind of amazing, actually. Yeah, I, I was, you know, I kind of think of myself as a, 
my mind like a cardboard box full of useless crap. It, that's new information to put in there. Yeah. Oh, they showed um, one of Roxanne Dawson's early performances. Almost brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> it was really good. She was so young. It's just uh, so many great, great tidbits from that cast that I really enjoyed. You know, they talked about a little about a bit of the camaraderie they each had on set. So, yeah, I really loved it. I really loved it. It's just cool seeing them all again all these years later. I want a reunion show, man. Bring them on on Picard or something. We we have to bring these actors back. Yeah. And, and other than that, I really I really don't have any other news. It's just kind of weird to be doing the podcast right now, to be honest with all all the things going on in the in the United States right now. So, um. Yeah. We need some happiness. We need some yeah. happiness. We, we yeah, need some well happiness. Said. I'm afraid well insurrection said. is not it, but we'll see. No, no, no. We can make it These happy. are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> you know what? Let me say, let me say this. I do I, I do want to say there are some things in, in there, some concepts that that are redeemable. So, and you know, and and on a positive note, we are talking kind of pick uh, you know, pivoting back to what you said, Clarence. The Federation is looking at the best of what we should be. So maybe this is the perfect time to talk Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. We'll get into it. But, but uh, man, I remember this movie kind of differently. This is the first time I've seen it in a really long time. But but I'll save it. I'll save it. <laughs> so let's just jump right in if no one has anything else. Um, I, actually, I do have one thing, if, if, if it's okay. Yeah, let's hear it, man. This, this is not Star Trek related, but this is like a very – amongst everything that's going on this year, this is like the best thing that could happen. My youngest child is officially a high school graduate, oh, which yeah. is why I was not here last time. <laughs> Congratulations, man. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm done with school. I'm done with registration. I'm done. I'm done. Now there's college. <laughs> They're on their own. I did, I did my time. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, but that's that's a big accomplishment, man. No, seriously, it seriously is, man. But but the sad thing is, school is ends a lot later these days than it did in times past. So he, he actually graduated a year early. Ah, huh. So how did he feel about graduating? Uh, I'm getting off topic here, but how, how does he feel graduating? You know, where he couldn't really. I guess did he walk? Did they have a they, the the way they had it set up? It was actually really nice because they had like a. We were in and out in like 45 minutes, which was wonderful. Okay. But they had a set, various setup where they had like different backgrounds where you can take different pictures. And then they went and they individually walked across the stage so they can edit it together later. Oh, okay. To make it like an actual graduation ceremony. Awesome. Awesome. Now on to Starfleet Academy. (laughs) All right. That's awesome, man. It's really cool to hear. Um, so with that, we'll move right along into our review of Star Trek Insurrection. Star Trek Insurrection was released to theaters on December 11th, 1998. It was directed by Jonathan Frakes with story by Rick Berman, Michael Filler with Filler writing the screenplay. Estimated budget for the movie was $58 million, gross domestically of $70 million, with the $22 million opening. In a, a worldwide cumulative of 146 million. So, if you're listening and you want to rewatch this, it's available on Amazon Prime Video, which is where I watched it. 
When the crew of the Enterprise learn of a Federation conspiracy against the inhabitants of a unique planet, Captain Picard begins an open rebellion. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. All right, well, let's go around the horn and see what each of you guys think of this movie at a very high level. And uh, let's start with Carrie. Let's start with you, man. What do you think? Well, I mean, my first question is, how did this movie have a bigger budget than First Contact? <laughs> yeah. How? How? It looks like a TV episode. Thank you. Yep. Yep. I think that's my problem, too. <laughs> they had higher hopes. I mean, I mean, half that must have gone to paying people's salaries because it didn't go into the movie. It, it. <laughs> okay, but yeah, I'll shut up right now. What about you, Jeremy? So I was just looking at the IMDb trivia for this movie, and the first thing, first one was Marina Sartis admitted that she fell asleep during the premiere, <laughs> and I feel that. <laughs> oh boy! Oh my god! All right. Well, uh, Cal Jones, what are your what are your initial thoughts, man? So for all the time that I have reviewed this, I'm, I did the first time for this that I've never done on any review that I've ever done before, which is I spent probably a good 35, 40 minutes of this movie this afternoon because number one, I watched half of it yesterday, got bored with it and probably a good, like I said, 35, 40 minutes. I fast forwarded through this afternoon, kind of just stopping where I could it felt like an inflated, overblown episode. You took a good episode, a good story, and patched it and patched it and patched it some more till it was a movie. And I think that's probably why it didn't do any better than what it looks like it did at the box office. But Interesting stuff. Good concept. It just didn't work for me. So I'm going to have to agree with Carrie um, on the budget because this was more than a previous movie. And and I'll, I'll justify that in just a second. But overall, I think I enjoyed it. I remember when I originally watched it back so long ago, I seemed like I really liked it then. It seemed like I really liked it. And it's all in how you're judging it. Of course, if you're looking at it on a movie scale, I don't think it, I don't think it, it just doesn't it just doesn't hold that cachet for a movie, especially coming from First Contact, which I feel like it hit it out the park and even generations for that matter. So this felt like a huge step back. The tone of the story was very, very different. It felt like a really good, solid episode rather than a movie. You know, we get a little bit more of superhero Picard by the end of it, um, you know, which is par for the course for the movies. But uh, admittedly, again, the, the story felt a whole lot weaker than First Contact in Generations. I do like how it seems that even, you know, like we're seeing in the Picard series, you have you have John Luke playing the moral, the moral compass for the Federation. He's the one trying to steer the Federation in the right direction. And, you know, the more I watch Picard episodes over and over and even the, the new show as well as The Next Generation, I get more of that Picard being the moral compass of where we want the, the Federation to go. And that's that's definitely what he is uh, in this movie, in my opinion. 
Um, so let's get right into it with the budget. So Carrie talked about the budget. What made it seem like they spent too much in this movie to you? And I got some inside knowledge on a few things that make a little sense to why it feels worse. But with them spending more, it seems like they could have got, you know, the same thing. So so let, let, me, let, me, let me hear from you. Like, why do you feel like it was didn't warrant the budget of uh, 58 million? Well, uh, number one, the special effects. Number two, the even the ship models were like not as nice as the ones in um, First Contact. I mean, the special effects outside of like the beaming in First, I mean, in in First Contact, they were all amazing. Like everything looked on point. I mean, but like I feel like they cheaped out on a lot of stuff um, as far as effects go. I mean, it had to have been. I'm assuming that everybody just committed a higher salary because of how successful First Contact was. I don't know that. Um, but just the overall visual quality, visual fidelity, um, it was not nearly as nice, like not even close. <laughs> and you know what? You are so right on that. On point. Because <laughs> guess what? Uh, ILM, Industrial Light Magic, did not work on this movie as they had on the previous two movies. Ah, Okay. Yeah, yeah, so so again, they provided visual effects for Star Trek Generations and First Contact, but did not return because they were too busy working on uh, the Phantom Mantis, Menace and uh, Deep oh, Impact. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah, that's, I, I agree with you on every point, especially on like the ships and the space. You know, the the section of space they were in, this briar patch. Um <laughs> Which I, I like, like they it looked like they just mixed a bunch of different play dohs <laughs> together and like and like pushed it on the wall or something like it it was so bad yeah it it called for a different effect rather than the plain black space that we're used to seeing so they really had to knock it out of the park to make it feel real and it just all looked bad and while I really like the design of the Enterprise E it. I agree with you. It just didn't feel feel as grand or as well done as it did in the previous two movies. So, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you on that, man. It just felt visually dumbed down. And, like, that whole thing, and this might have made it look worse to me. I don't know, like, maybe sublim- subliminally, but, like, when they do- dove off into, like, wherever they did, like, it reminded me of the, the Kessel Run scene in Solo. And, like, that, <laughs> like, comparing that to this is, like, comp- comparing, like, a T-bone steak to like a, a slice, of, a sliver of spam. Like it was just, <laughs> it was totally ungratifying. No, I totally agree, man. I, I, I totally agree. Now I do like the uniforms. I think the uniforms, yeah, even the yeah. dress uniforms look great. I like the inside areas of the enterprise. They all look great. And I even thought the, the Baku settlement looked good. It was believable. Uh, it's just the ships and the space stuff, the stuff I come for. <laughs> <laughs> didn't look good to me. What about you, uh, Jeremy Cal? You have any any thoughts on the effects or the aesthetic design of the show itself or the movie itself? I I, I agree because I, I was, the the scene where Data is unmasked and obviously a green screen, it just felt <laughs> too green screeny. You know, it just it yeah. didn't didn't have that sense of separation. If there's an actual floating head, it's just like oh, that's a green screen. Yeah, yeah. I actually didn't think that was that bad, but I can see why you say that. <laughs> yeah. So for so for me, the look of the 
the people on the planet. I'm not talking about the ones that were like major plastic surgery. I'm talking about, you know, the people on the planet. For some reason, they almost looked plastic to me. They looked a little bit too fountain of youthish. Every time I saw them, it was like they, especially the the lady that they paired with Picard, she just seemed fake to me. You know, niche. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I guess that's kind of the point of the movie and, you know, getting into a little bit of the plot, which, you know, again, it didn't live up to the movie cachet is that the plot was just ultra simple, which is fine, but that contributes into it being a grandiose or movie worthy. You know what I'm saying? Rather than just another episode. So the, the whole plot is that we have these, these people living on this planet that has a certain regenerative, uh, effects on them, uh, this uh, radiation that's regenerative, and this other group, the sauna, want to harvest that along with the Federation as their guide or as as their partner, as I think they put it in the movie, to to harness um, this this uh, radiation. So again, like a a very very simple plot, and to me, that's one of the things that maybe aided in it not feeling as grand as it should this this metaphasic radiation um so i guess we'll just get into it like any any thoughts on the plot itself well okay so you know these the bad guys in this film reminded me of the vidians from voyager yeah and the whole plot line felt like this would be a good two-part episode for voyager <laughs> Because that's basically what what their what the videos do. They they harvest parts and they they so they can live. So it just feels like they just kind of took an old Voyager plotline and you know made it next generation. Hmm. So I know this is running alongside Voyager. I wonder which came first, the Vidians or the um, the Sana. The the Vidians, because I was looking, I was just looking it up. This is filmed between the third the third season of Voyager and I think the fifth season of Deep Space Nine. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it, you know, since you're talking about how it was written and when it was written, you know, I was reading um, earlier that there was, I think, three or four different drafts. And I know every movie goes through various drafts. I know that's part of the whole process, but that that the story changed quite drastically throughout the, one of the first incarnations of the story. It said something about, I think, with Picard winding up chasing data for, throughout the whole story and winding up killing data at the end. And then this was something called Stardust was the name instead of insurrection. Hmm. Now that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, speaking of data going crazy, defying orders, I, I kind of felt like it was just too convenient for, I for data's moral subroutines to kick in. And all of a sudden now he's doing, you know, he's like the moral compass of this, this, this observation group that's on the planet. And he's, he won't let them, you know, do this wrong. Uh, it, it just felt almost too convenient for, maybe we've heard about his moral subroutines before. I don't know. I, that's something I'm not, not aware of, but, um, seems like there was an episode where his moral subroutines kicked in before. But in any case, it, it really felt weird here for some reason. And oh, my God. Oh, my God. There are two, two real jump the shark moments in Star Trek that I can remember in the movie specifically. 
where I was really like, what the f- am I watching or uh, listening to or whatever? One of them is in Star Trek Beyond when they play uh, the Beastie Boys to stop that alien swarm from destroying the the um, the the uh, uh, wow the the space station. So so they played the Beastie Boys to stop the attack on the Enterprise and the space station. They just blared it through the um, I guess on all frequencies. They blasted the Beastie Boys. Dumb, dumb. That was a definitely jump the shark moment for me. The second one is in this movie. And it's when Picard and Worf start singing this song to yes. get Data to realize who he is. It just felt so clumsy. So clumsy. So I think the producers have a real love of um, Rodgers and Hammerstein. Is that who who does it? Uh, I know is the name of it's a British tar is the name of the song, I think. But uh, they, they also did the same writing team of uh of the song was in the star trek short where spock and number one are stuck in the turbo lift the model of a modern major general is it the same people who wrote that wrote this too yes Uh, yes and i I saw that and i was like these people love them from rogers and hammerstein they have nothing to do like when when, when spock when when uh warp said you know i haven't met those two i was like that's hilarious because probably not a whole lot of trekkies are familiar with them so yeah. it just felt really out of place. I thought I was watching like Manchurian Candidate or something. <laughs> like it was so weird. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you this. Had Jonathan Frakes did any directing of the series? Like had he become a director before this movie? I want to say that he had. Yeah, he, he directed the last movie. Okay. First right. contact. And I never would then scratch that thought then. Yeah. I think it's just the writing. I mean, a lot of the Trek alumni direct episodes. So, of course, he's directed episodes before as well as other Trek alumni. Uh, but I don't really blame this on him. Him. I just think it's a really weak story. A really weak story. Uh, and it, it almost feels like they were just under the pressure to get something out quick again because this is just two years later, which is fairly quick to come back around with another movie that's not like a direct sequel is something that's an original story for, you know, uh, the same cast, but it, 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 I don't know. <laughs> so, so, so let me ask you this and kind of tagging on to what you just said, is this the unnecessary or the necessary, not unnecessary, necessary evil of what happens when you have such a short time frame between movies for these characters that you've seen an episodic 22, 24 episodes over the years. So you know these characters so well that you're going to have a movie to, that feels just like an episode because you can't have great grandiose events every single time. Um, I would disagree with that. Uh, I.E. MCU like yeah, well true. said. I just think it was just not the, they didn't have a good script. I'm 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 with Clarence on this. I guess he did the best he could with the script that he had, but it just seems like it's missing that certain something, like that certain something that makes Khan rewatchable or makes it makes First Contact rewatchable. Like I don't ever think I'm going to rewatch this movie. Um, <laughs> there was nothing like there was there was never a moment where I was like, you know, where I just felt like that that Star Trek optimism or like any of that. It just felt like 
like paint by number Star Trek. Well, and you're dealing with the Starfleet doing something very shady. The Starfleet, Starfleet doing something very shady, and again, I feel like it's a reoccurring theme we're going to see with Picard. You know, and even in his own series with him trying to correct the wrongs of this this organization that he really loves. And I think it's even extending on to the discovery, you know, where where Burnham's gonna be trying to bring it back. Uh, so I don't and, know. It, go ahead. Like and like if I if I can add just one more thing on this part, like the stakes really weren't that high here. Like I never felt like the universe was in danger this entire movie. Like it was and maybe that was the point. I mean it's called insurrection, but yeah. Even with him, like, defying Starfleet, quote-unquote, it never felt like he was doing something that would, like, get him in trouble. Um, I never actually believed that the guy was actually in contact with Starfleet. Like, he just never seemed that believable to me. Um, uh, Doherty? <laughs> yeah, like, I never believed him when he said that. But, I mean, I, I know he was a superior officer and everything, but I just felt like there was nothing. I mean, yeah, 600 people could have died. That's bad, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I never felt like the universe was in any real danger, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, you know, just in just the utter sleaziness of the Starfleet with this Starfleet slash sauna with this elaborate plan to have a hollow ship, recreate their environment, put them on it, transport them to a different planet, which I don't know how long that would have lasted for they discover what was going on and and just harness this uh uh, radiation from the planet's rings, you know. Uh, I, but Voyager kind of did that too. Uh, explain. There was, there was an episode of Voyager where they um, this race not not to to take over their ship was replacing members of the crew one by one and putting yeah. them in this like holodeck environment. Yeah. To take it. So this this just like I said, this just feels like a mishmash of Voyager episodes. Yeah, and also it. It it made me really think of that uh that Spock quote the the, the needs of the many, <laughs> and if they can harvest this and save people going forward forever, I mean from disease, which you know this is Starfleet, they've already all largely eradicated disease, but I guess it goes a step further where there people can basically live forever, um. Yeah, I'd rather see see Starfleet harvesting that than any other, you know, rogue group. Um, mm. But still, you have people on this planet that live there, and you're destroying their home. That's that's basically what it comes back to. One thing that another thing that I didn't really appreciate about this movie, and I'm sure, I'm sure whoever like wrote this or whatever, they meant well by it. It just came off as pandering to me, like how Picard just kind of like. He kind of like uh, on the sly, he was always kind of like equating this to like slavery or something <laughs> like, you know, like he would never ju- he would never say it. But he would say like, um, like in our history, people were transported against their will to, you know, he would say something yeah, like, like that. Forced like, relocation. Just, yeah. yeah. How about this? We're only moving 600 people. How many people does it take before it becomes unacceptable? How many? <laughs> Like that was like his moment of the film, which yeah, yeah. So so many moments of the film that were meant to really resonate. You mentioned this one where he's making his point, like how many? It just fell flat when I compare that to the tiny little ships scene from 
uh, uh, the last movie. It just doesn't compare to the impact or the feeling, in my opinion. And even the acting at some, at some points, it just seems like every emotional beat we got from this film was just the acting. It had nothing to do with the how well the script was written, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, and I... I I, I don't know. Are we doing like a plot thing? Because like I also felt like he 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 didn't. This didn't really seem like Picard to me. Like he just did a bunch of stuff that I thought was out out of character in the movie. Like most prominently that sticks in my head is when, um, the late he's like play play some Latin music and well he says salsa and he's like dancing through the ship. Like that, what? There was, was reasons <laughs> for that. Okay. Well, let, let me let me explain. You have this metaphysic radiation. That causes the Bakul not, the, I'm sorry, the Baku not to age. So when the Federation members or the, the Enterprise crew went on the planet, it caused them to revert, uh, in a sense, revert back to their younger selves, start to be reinvigorated. You had, okay. uh, you had Riker, right. Riker trying to chase out the Troy all of a sudden. You had Jordy's eye coming back. You had Worf with the, with the wart. On his- <laughs> okay. The, uh, the, 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 the Worf's pimple trouble me i mean just, let me just say it that that was like i was sitting there going okay really that whole thing didn't make sense to me either because obviously stopping people from aging and reversing their age are not the same thing and there were obviously older people in this colony um i can't baku or was it the baku like the lady that was the main love interest she was she wasn't young like that's the one thing I didn't really understand. Like if she's been alive for 300 years and she still looks like she's like in her late forties, maybe like early 50. Like she doesn't look young. At least she didn't to me. Um, the dude's dad, he, they also said like, once you hit adulthood or puberty or whatever, that's when the de-aging kicks in. So like, why are all these, why are they all older? <laughs> yeah. They should be all 20 something. They should around, all, right? <laughs> they should all be like, like in their early 20s like that didn't make sense to me because i mean okay they don't age I, i'm okay i like i understand that but like why are the people on enterprise getting younger like it doesn't that part didn't make no sense to me at all well it regenerate it continue uh i think um um, um uh, crusher said it it the metaphysic radiation continuously regenerates their genetic structure is the the statement they made so what that actually means i don't know and it makes their boobs firmer. Because so, that had to be pointed out. Selective de-aging. I mean, the whole, the whole to me, the, the biggest jump the shark moment in this movie, you guys pointed out two big ones, but it was the whole data, like, trying to be friends with a little kid yeah. thing. Like, like what? I enjoy that. Because that's, that's him exploring his humanity. He doesn't know what playtime is because he's never done it. You know, I, 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 that's one of the movies I, it just came of off movies of, I really like. It's weird to me because, like, he just kept eyeing this little kid and trying <laughs> to be friends with him. And the kid's running from, like, it just, it just uh, I don't know. It was weird to me. Like, in I mean, the I, end. I understand. I, I'm with you. I understand why they did. I mean, I understand why they did it. But just the whole. It wasn't Acting creepy. out of it was Come just. On. Yeah, he, was, he just felt like he should register for something. It was that. fine. He's exploring his humanity. He doesn't know what playtime is. Come on, people. It's data. But good point. (laughs) (laughs) Got some popsicles in the cellar. (laughs) I was waiting on that. (laughs) 
Uh, we'll move on from there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's some talent now, Pam. Well, well, let's talk about Anish real quick. Picard's, you know, his fascination in this movie. And Kara, you just mentioned that she looks like she's in her late 40s, where why isn't she in her 20s if they don't age at a certain point? Good point. Good point. Good point. But what was weird to me was there's a few points in the movie where she actually slows down time or freezes water hummingbird you can see it flap his wings i does anybody know what's going on with it i just thought it was like a movie effect i didn't think she actually stopped time but maybe she did i guess that just flew right over my head jeremy i i, I don't even know what to tell you about that because <laughs> they, they never they, they never explained it she just said quit asking questions and i guess they wanted us to quit asking these questions but <laughs> that didn't work <laughs> because here we are, but I, it just—it was a pretty special effect that had nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. She can stop time, but she can't swim. Oh, yeah! God. Like, come on, man! You got all, nothing but time. She needed Picard and Data to save her and show his flotation device. Oh, that was horrible <laughs> too! Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Uh, so so oh, so, so care. I have a good I have a good analogy to your forced relocation thing. I don't think it was particularly black black people or African Americans that they were talking about. I think it was more Native American, um, where you know we kind of took their land. Americans kind of took their land and forced them on reservations. I that, mean, that's what even, I equate to. Even like I didn't necessarily mean slavery. I kind of mentioned that, but like you you can think about like what happened to the um. The Japanese people in World yeah. War II in the United States. You can think about what happened to the, you know, the Jewish people in World War II, obviously. Um, you know, Trail of Tears, you mentioned that. But, I mean, he just seemed like this is the hill I'm going to die on. And it just seemed a little bit thick to me. Like I, I don't know. I, I love I love seeing Picard be the moral compass. I'm down with that. I'm, 100 I'm, a, I'm, down, I'm down with him being the moral compass, too. But I'm like, this is the hill you want to die on? Like, this... And then, this is the hill you then, want to die on? Then, obviously, Dowdy, like, I just think Dowdy was doing whatever somebody upstream told him was a good idea. Star Trek version of Count Dooku. <laughs> oh, God, he do kind of look like him. <laughs> but I think Dooku was actually a little bit more diabolical than he was. I, I think he was this guy. It felt more more like a lackey to me. I he think he was following orders. He was a puppet. Ah, yeah, Spider-Man. <laughs> oh boy boy saddle up lock and load <laughs> oh god oh man i like that this is one of my favorite parts of the movie don't hate don't hate uh, i used to i used to quote that line all the time from the, of course it's from something else but i used to I, quote it all the time from this movie when i first saw it I will say that I'm just glad that Data, Data was the one that said that because anybody else saying that would have got laughed out of that room. So I guess that part actually made sense. So, yeah. So we, we got to see the captain's yacht, uh, which I did not remember from this movie, but it was brought up in the uh, maybe may have been the third Picard episode when he goes into his vault. It's one of the ships that's on one of the, the little display thingies. But, yeah, I liked seeing the, the captain's yacht. That was pretty cool. Oh man! Any other tidbits? I have some more things I can go to, but any anything else anybody want to point out in particular? So the manual steering is a joystick. That it was just like it's just like a simple joystick. 
yeah, in the console. That was very Tom Paris that's, of them. <laughs> that's that's how you're going to control the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> when well, push comes shove, you know. <laughs> I mean, it 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 works. We've been using it for a hundred. Well, not a hundred years. We've been using it for a long time. Eighty, what? Eighty years? When did we start flying? Yeah, Tw- yeah the twenties. It hasn't been about a hundred years then. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it works. <laughs> oh, another good tip hit in the in the movie is uh, they mention. I think it might be Riker that mentions that the sauna are known for producing mass quantities of Ketracel white, and their ships are armed with um, meta. Was it metaphasic weapons? I can't remember what they said. That are outlawed by the Kim, uh, Kittimura Accords. They're like, why is this admiral doing business with these obviously bad people? You know, and that was just one of the few things that raised Picard's eye that something isn't right. So, you know, again, I love Picard being a moral compass. He's going to investigate, which that's just what he does. And I'm I'm fine with it. I'm fine. I don't have a I don't have a problem with that. It was just the whole like the stance that he took, like and just you know he could have just been like, "This is really bad. You should not be doing this." But then he had to get all like historic with it. It just came off as thick to me. <laughs> yeah. Then he has this convenient briar patch where they can't really see communications out, which is the same exact thing that happened in Star Trek. Star Trek Beyond, by the way, they couldn't. Oh, what about the loop? Reason. The loop that happened at the beginning of the movie that they brought back to like win the whole battle, like that. <laughs> no, I actually I was like, thought that was kind of the cool. what now? Say that again. I don't know what I don't know what you really call it. I was like, it's like a narrative loop or something where like something happens at the beginning of the movie and it doesn't work, and and then they try it in the end and it ends up like winning the whole thing. I didn't really notice to, that. They tried about? to beam. They tried to beam data out of the ship, like when they were chasing them. Yeah. Um. And it didn't work because he um he had a um uh what do you call it? He had the inhibitor, the warp yeah. inhibitor, the whatever you call it, the transport inhibitor on his ship. But then they ended up using that same strategy to like yeah. beam them into their own hollow ship. Which was so <laughs> sweet, by the way. If I that what that part was sweet though. Oh, no, I, I have like to admit that. that. What's that flickering? Oh, we're on a holodeck. No. Oh, I got a quick. Who has the better no? Vader at the end of uh, uh, the third, the third prequel, or this, I want to rewind, rewind the movie just to see that part again. Yes, that that that. You know, I actually, um, I actually wrote down that he is Star Trek's version of um, Male from Doctor Who, screaming that no. <laughs> that no was epic. I, I'll give him that much. Uh, that was his con moment. That was his Padme moment. Hey, if you pull this off, they may call this the record maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> You're going down to history books for this one. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was <laughs> like, no. I was like, no. In, like, in it, that was another spider, like uh, <laughs> Superman snapping Zod's neck on the moon. No. Superman does not talk like you do not talk like that on Star Trek. Like you're supposed to be a professional. <laughs> what are you doing? You, you talk about the Riker maneuver after the fact. You don't say it as it's happening. <laughs> but but you know, and that's and that what they did was something that I feel has been done before, like gathering gas and then venting the gas and it, igniting it. That really wasn't anything new. I feel, but they had to use the ram scoop. <laughs> <sighs> I thought this movie was okay, guys. I didn't hate it. I didn't We're not hate running it. anymore, Jordy. 
Oh, okay. All right. So I do have a couple of things that I wrote down. I want to bring up before we before we wrap. Um, one, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have one negative, two positives. My negative is I just thought that was really corny when Data said I've been designed as a flotation device that just was like really really <laughs> dumb. Yeah. Um, one thing I did like, you know, we've often said as fans that Star Trek we take technology and make it real from Star Trek. And I know, um, you know, Carrie, you mentioned Picard saying, you know, computer music. Well, that's just like we say now, you know, Siri music or Google Alexa or whoever. You know, so that was cool. The other thing is a quote that I had, which is um, when they were talking about apprentices being apprentices for 30 years, (laughs) We've discovered that a single moment in time can be a universe into itself. I just thought that was cool because we're always spending so much time, like, just going from one thing to the other to the other to the other. And it was just kind of like, maybe if you slow down and just kind of pay attention to the moment, which I personally never do. But I just thought that was cool. (laughs) Yeah. All good points. And and again, like, I feel like the movie is not without a few things that I thought were really awesome. Again, I love the whole idea of the hollow ship. And I love how it was turned on his head at the end. Uh, I love the idea that the sauna are descend are from the Baku, you know, that this radio, this metaphysic radiation that's protecting this planet, the ring of the planet that's keeping them young um, also is what's needed for these people who just wanted to go out and explore. And they made some good points about uh, maybe appreciating where you are more than trying to, which is weird for a show about exploring space. (laughs) They made some points about appreciating where you are rather than going off and trying to explore the galaxy. I think that's like a metaphor for like leaving home where you're from, you know, I I like that. But again, like it's weird for a show that's about exploration. So I don't know what the point was there, but I liked it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, I like the fact that you had some of the sauna that really, even though they had been gone for a long, long time, they still had that emotional anchor to the Baku and that settlement. And, you know, the guys, one of the guys mother was still there. Um, so I think it was Galna. So, yeah, I, I really liked all that. And then, of course, we had to have that big Picard moment at the end where um, that moment really reminded me of something. I can't remember what. Of like the smoke coming up the shaft, that may have been the star. Um, <laughs> may have been a Star Wars movie. I don't know, but yeah. Um, <sighs> any other takeaways? I mean, it is what it is. It 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 was a really, it would have been a really good episode. Again, I, the special effects work wasn't as good. The writing wasn't as good. And again, I remember this being a really good movie. I enjoyed it. I bought a game that was um, based on this movie that I played the crap out of on my gateway PC back in 1998. I think about it, but I don't remember the insurrection game. uh, It was, it wasn't called insurrection. It was, I won't look it up now. Star Trek. Yes. Elite force was amazing though, by the way, this is before I forced, this is before I got, Oh, it was called Star Trek hidden evil. And this was before oh, okay. I got I Elite that. Force. This is like the first Star Trek game I played, and I played the crap out of. And it's it's about the events of this story, I believe, if I'm not mistaking. The thing that I think we need to remember here is 
when we approach this, we've said this before, when we approach things from a reviewer's point of view, I think we go into it with a different mindset, almost not as critics, but looking to kind of break the story down, not because, like I said, we're trying to be critical of it, but because we want to have an opinion about it, whether we're just watching something for sheer enjoyment. I I think our mindsets are different. So I don't think there's anything wrong that you loved it 20 years ago or whenever it came out. We're just in yeah. a different mindset in watching it. And, and again, I think there were so many elements that were valid in this. The execution just fell short. Yeah, I don't begrudge anybody for liking this movie, by the way, because, I mean, I can't really talk because the first time I saw uh, Star Trek, uh, Star Wars, um, Rise of Skywalker, I loved it. But then the second time I watched it, I actually thought about what I was watching and I didn't really enjoy it at all. So, I mean, it 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 just depends on, like you said, Kyle, like what mindset you go into the movie with. Yeah, and of but course, that's neither here nor there, I guess. Awesome. Yeah, and like critically, this movie, of course, didn't do as well. Um, we talked about a bit of the numbers, but again, <laughs> I enjoyed it. It did worse than uh, First Contact worldwide gross by about thirty four million, and um, <laughs> domestic gross by about twenty two million. Um, so yeah, it it definitely didn't do as well. Um, and actually. <laughs> Nemesis, which we'll talk about next, did even worse. Which I remember liking Nemesis too. I'm be hurt if Nemesis doesn't hold up. I haven't seen it in a while, but I really liked that movie when it came out. So we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, if no other thoughts, um, we will. Oh yeah, a few few tidbits bits about production production trivia. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was initially offered the role of Ruffo. <laughs> which is just weird. Uh, uh, and he the, could have killed two franchises. <laughs> and the role of Anish was initially wow. offered to Sally Field. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Get you the chopper. <laughs> Good now. Oh, yeah. This is the last Star Trek movie to be rated PG, which is interesting. And, you know, talk about them look uh, trying to be younger. Riker shaved his beard off, so I, I had to bring that up. Which Smooth is, as an android's bottom. No, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, Dana like rub it and just shake his head and walk off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I actually enjoyed that part. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, and it's the first Star Trek movie where all the space shots were computer generated, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The- yeah. yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I think we've thoroughly bashed this one. Uh, and I really, you know, I want to say, I don't think we bashed it. I think we bashed some <laughs> things more. We just agreed that it could have been better. How about that? Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty sure I was bashing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Our friend, friend Matthew mentioned and mentioned in, in the email that he sent in that he watched it and he really enjoyed it. Uh, he watched it recently and he really enjoyed it, which I can see why. Because it, it really is a decent episode. But as far as a movie, you know. Yeah. You kind of hold it to a higher standard um, and it doesn't feel like a movie to me, but it does feel like a really decent episode. So I don't know. I don't know. And I guess for me, like if this would have been the first Star Trek movie, Star Trek Next Generation movie I watched, like if I watched this before I watched First Contact, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. But I just had higher expectations for the movie after First Contact that I mean, as much as we 
blasted that movie. I still thought it was a great movie. I thought it was, you know, I thought it was well done. Yeah, you know? First Contact was really good. Really good. <laughs> it's just a different, almost a different level by far than this one. So, yeah, yeah, they scaled it back on this one, certainly. It was almost more about just spending time with these characters, basically. <laughs> it really, really feels like it wasn't much about the plot in a lot of ways. Uh, but yeah, uh, we're going to wrap this thing up and um, let's go around the horn and see what everybody's been working on, podcast related or otherwise. And let's start with you, Jeremy. Uh, what's going on with you, man? Um, just finished up. I, I've had a lot of time on my hands, so I've just been like binge watching like crazy. So I've watched all of Space Force, which is hilarious, by the way, if you haven't seen it. Um, I've heard good as, things. Not as Star Trekky as I'd expected, but that's okay because it, it, it held up on its own, I believe. And it's got John Malkovich, and you can't go wrong with that. John Malkovich, Steve Carell, I think. Yeah. Well. And it, 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 it's a really, really good show. Um, just rewatched Avatar The Last Airbender because I can. Um, and, you know, celebrating being done with school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Awesome. Awesome stuff. And I will say I'm, I'm uh, starting my first watch of Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm on, like, episode 11 or something. But, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. It's pretty good. Pretty it, good. And it, it, it really does just get better. The, the more the the farther in you get, it really does just get better. Awesome. Well, that's that's good to hear. That's good to hear. And I was going to say to Kyle. Kyle mentioned Mel from Doctor Who. I had just watched it, um, a Seventh Doctor episode with Mel in it, so I like I was kind of proud of myself for understanding that reference. <laughs> so, so, so I have to ask as I segue into my myself, which Doctor Who episode with Mel do you remember that you watched? It was the episode where Mel leaves and Ace comes in. Ah, okay. Interesting. All right, right, well, go ahead, Kyle. Um, So I would say we have recently on Discussing Who been spending quite a bit of time in Classic Who with various doctors and we have a few more classics before we get back into Series 5. So if you're a fan of Doctor Who, be sure to check out DiscussingWho.com. Awesome sauce. What about you, Carrie? Well, I mean, uh, one more thing I want to point out. I, I just did some Googling. Patrick Stewart earned $9.5 million filming Star Trek Insurrection. So that was what? Wow. Uh, a fifth of the budget right there. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Outside of that, um. You know, we are still doing tech petition. Uh, we've been the t- tech news has been kind of slow, so we haven't really put an episode in a while. But look for one to get dropped this week, um, probably tomorrow. Um, and E3 was supposed to be this week, so there'll probably be some game news for us to talk about. So stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah. I'm waiting for that Sony announcement, which I think is this Thursday, I believe. No, they pushed it. They pushed it. Oh, <laughs> man. They pushed it to <laughs> yeah, win. I think it's they push it to like July or something. Oh, but God. they 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 said with everything going on that they didn't feel like you know I don't know why because everybody needs something to smile about like hey, but man, they were man. like we we don't feel like we have we should be smiling right now or something something like that like this isn't the time but I'm like this is exactly the time I mean yeah. I watched I watched Peyton Manning Tiger Woods Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady play golf and Tom <laughs> Brady was awful, but it was still, it was, it was live sports. So it was awesome. So like we need more stuff to take our minds off of the stuff that's happening now. Were they like the only four guys on the, on the golf course? Or how were they? Yeah. Wow. yeah it was a the match. They, they made, they raised $20 million. Um, so, I mean, it was, 
And it was enjoyable. There's a lot of smack talking. Charles Barkley was one of the announcers. He was talking noise to Tom Brady. Um, then Tom Brady hold a shot from like 160 yards and started talking mess back to Charles Barkley. It was amazing. Like it was, it was a lot of fun. So oh, I hope man. they do it next year. Chuck, gotta love him. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you what Justin Thomas told him. I'll tell you after we get off <laughs> on the air. Okay. Okay. Well, all right. Um, yeah, guys, uh, I want to say thanks for joining. Uh, as always, we appreciate you joining in and write in. Tell us how we're wrong. Uh, send it in to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or at DiscussingTrek on the social medias. I know we're kind of critical about this one, but, you know, uh, I would really, really like to hear your thoughts if you're out there listening. <laughs> and uh, I will leave with a part, party gift of one of my favorite podcasters, Jeff Kanata. And that's going to be think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. Until next time, guys, live longer prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. Hey guys, it's Sergio from Reality Breached. We've got a bunch of different podcasts over on our network at realitybreached.com, and one of my favorites is Shellheads, a TMNT podcast. Shellheads is a deep dive into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in ways you've never heard before. From the early comic days to the current Nick show, nothing is off limits. Jeff from the Warp Zone Arcade joins me to binge watch and power read through a comprehensive library of TMNT fandom. Check Shellheads out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more details, visit realitybreached.com. Discussing Network.